Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Oh, Captain, my Captain. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. Let's get nuts. Tell me something, my friend. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? I always ask that of all my prey. I just like the sound of it. I'll have what she's having. You have chosen wisely. It reminds us all that once was good. And it could be again. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious... You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. Classic movies, 30 years in the making. It's the 30-something movie podcast, episode number 251. This time around, we are going... We're just going for the crazy relative show today. Uh, It is Uncle Buck. So it's a great John Candy movie. I already just kind of gave away my feelings on it. Great John Candy movie. It's a lot of fun. Um, but Uncle Buck is our movie this time around for episode number 251. Uh, we hope that you really enjoyed our 250th that we just put out uh, you know, last week. Um, we had a fun time recording it. Uh, that one, if you missed it, go back and check it out. Um, it was our extravaganza of our top five favorites. Of course, we did more than five, but uh, it was our top five favorite 80s cartoons. Um, so that was kind of what we chose as one of our milestone uh, episodes for the 250th. So if you didn't get that one, it was the whole group was back together again. And uh, it was just a lot of fun. Um, maybe not so much fun in the editing of it because we talked for, I don't know, maybe like five hours. Um, and uh, But it was a good time. It's a good time. If you love 80s cartoons, go back, take a listen to it, and uh, and hopefully you will have a good time as well. But we are here to talk Uncle Buck, and very, very quickly, I want to get into our spoiler alert and everything else. So, spoiler podcast, just be aware, when we talk about these movies, this right now is your spoiler alert. If we mention the title of any other movie, there's always a possibility that we will just talk freely about it, so just be aware of that. Um there's a, most podcasts, podcast apps have that little, like, you know, skip ahead 15 seconds button. So, you know, feel free to, to tap on that. If you hear the name of a movie that you don't want to know anything about, uh, leave us a review on iTunes or wherever else you get your podcast. That'd be a great way to just kind of help out the show. Let other people hear about the show, um, for you to share what you're enjoying or even not enjoying about the show. We'll, we'll take either one of those. We're good. Uh, won't bruise any of our egos. So we're totally fine. And uh, visit our website, 30podcast.com. That's got uh, all the different ways you can get in touch with us. All of our past episodes, links to suggesting a show. Uh, you know, if you've if you've kind of looked at our list of movies that we've got upcoming and you're like, well, they're not doing this one. And this is my favorite movie of 1989. So uh, feel free to go in there. There's a, a Google form that you can fill out to suggest shows um, if we don't have them on our list. Because we can only get to so many every year. Um, but if you've got one in particular, like, nope, they would be completely like this podcast is worthless if they don't end up doing this movie. Um, that's not a guarantee we'll do it, but you can at least get your suggestion in there and we will, we look at every single one of those. So we just, we want to leave that out there. So you're suggesting they don't already think this podcast is worthless. Well, they might, I mean, (laughs) kind of hope they don't, but you know, if, if they do, then that's, that's all right. I'm, I'm cool with that. That's cool. Um, we're all cool here. We're good. How are you? Uh, all right. So, uh, we have with me, with me tonight, I have love fest, love fest. How are you doing? AKA Bo Warmbold. Quite well. How are you? Good. I'm excellent. I'm excellent. Found out the other day that my, uh, so one of the fun things I just found out the other day is that my car in certain parts of my car apparently are all disintegrating. Mm. So that was a lot of fun. And, uh, when they told me what the total was going to be for repairs, 
I basically just said, thank you very much. I will take my car home with me and I will be trading it in for something newer. <laughs> how long have you had that? That car only five years. I was going to say, but how old is it? It's a 2010. Wow, so it's really not that old. Years, it's really starting to disintegrate that bad. Huh? Yeah. So wow. I don't know if I, I don't know if it was a combination of weather or I hit a pothole or something like that. Cause I know I did hit a pothole going into Chicago, into Chicago one day, mm. but it, I like, I, I, when I pulled the car over, when I parked in the city, I kind of looked at everything. I was like, well, it looks fine. I, hope, I think it's all right. But I was basically told, yeah, you don't really want to drive this too much or else your wheels are going to fly off. Oh, dear Lord. Like, okay. Well, I mean, that would make a funny scene if I was a you know third party watching this whole thing. But right. uh, as the driver, I don't think I'm quite so thrilled about that idea. So, so that'll be a fun thing that didn't expect I was going to have to be looking for this summer with my family. So that's, uh, that's all kinds of fun. Uh, so if you would like to donate, I don't know, roughly $15,000 to the podcast, um, <laughs> we are looking for a, uh, uh, 30 podcast automobile fund. Um, you know, we'll even let you suggest the color. If you automobile want to. automobile <laughs> lake, big lake. big lake. Um, I feel like now that my car is just falling apart, instead of getting a trade in value on it, maybe I should just use it for stunts. There you like, go. Maybe I could just blow it up. And just do something like that. I don't think my neighbors would appreciate that. No. No. That wouldn't go over so well in Lake Forest. No. They're a little <laughs> they're they're a little uppity when it comes to explosions. But the other thing, I don't Bo, I might have told you this before we started recording uh one of the other times, but I ordered a kilt this morning. Mm-hmm. I am super excited that I finally you got have to order my mentioned kilt. the kilt. Uh-huh. My daughter, my eight-year-old daughter is not excited that I ordered the kilt. <laughs> I believe this. <laughs> she is completely freaking out right now. She thought this was a joke. <laughs> like you she know, was she was terrified the other I, day. I hate or to not the other day, but a young child. Well. But if she's known you as long as she's known you and still thought it might be a joke, mm-hmm. I'm a little concerned about her. Well, I, I I try to keep them on their toes, but you know, I kept telling her, no, I'm, I'm really doing this. I, we've, we've got your uncle's wedding to go to in the fall and I need to wear something fancy. So I'm wearing a kilt Love and it. yeah, I don't know. She, for some reason thought I was joking. I offered to get her one too. And then she really didn't want to do it, but <laughs> so to, to which her response was dad, you're not even from Scotland. And I said, okay, let me stop you right there. Our ancestors were from Scotland and they were kilts. So therefore that is part of my ancestral culture and Texas is also part of my ancestral culture. So why don't we do this? Why don't I wear cowboy boots, a kilt and a cowboy hat? I was going to say the big hat with the kilt, I think would be yeah. perfect to which she completely freaked out. And now she's okay with the kilt. <laughs> as long as I, as long as I keep the hat and the boots away, she's okay with the kilt now. Okay. Well. So, so see dad goals, situation resolved. Everything's all good. <laughs> dad goals. Mm-hmm. Love it. Love it. We also have with us Jason Colvin tonight. Jason, uh, one of our longtime listeners, you've been listening for about a little over a year now, um, and we we finally got you on here. We said we wanted to try to find some movies that we know that you were uh, a big fan of that we wanted to get you on, so we finally got you on here. So thank you for being on with us again. Man, thank you for having me on. I'm a, I'm a super fan of the show. I really enjoy listening to you guys. Yeah, absolutely. And we love kind of the, uh, the whole back and forth that we do with you on, on Twitter and Facebook and, and all those spots. So um, yeah. yeah, we're glad to have you on here. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. So, so this time around, we were talking Uncle Buck, and uh, here in just a second, we're going to jump back in the DeLorean and head back to this week in '89. But um, before we get going, I just, I, I just want to make this one comment about this: is I love this movie as a kid. Like, I know we're oh, going to yeah. talk about it in just a minute, but I remember watching this as a kid. It's been years. I have not watched this since I was probably, oh, uh, middle school. So it's been 
Oh, it's wow. Been, it's been that long. Oh, it's been a while. Yeah. It's, it's been 20 ish plus years wow. since I've seen this movie, but I remember just about every moment of this movie when we watched it the other day. So I, I know we're going to talk about it in a minute. I just wanted to like say that up front was I loved this movie. We used to watch this movie a lot when I was a kid and it was just fun to go back and watch it again after so many years of not seeing it. It's so good. I, it's, it's one of my favorites from this year. It's, it's fun. It's funny. It's pulls on the heartstrings a little bit. The characters are great. It, it's fantastic. And everything about it makes me just wish that he had lived longer and made more movies. Right. No, no joke. Yeah. No kidding. Both of these Patrick Swayze and yeah. 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 All right. Well, let's jump back to the DeLorean. We'll head back to this week in 89. So this week, the week we're currently in is about uh, July, eh, I'll say about July 3rd to July 10th, 1989. And uh, kind of the only event that I found that was, I, I felt was the most notable uh, and kind of funny because I didn't realize that it had a different title originally was on July 5th, uh, which actually my, my lovely wife and I, that's our anniversary. But on July 5th of 1989, the Seinfeld Chronicles screens its pilot episode on NBC. Wow. So I did not realize originally it was called the Seinfeld Chronicles. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, that sounds like a little bit of um, retconning to me, but hey. Yeah. <laughs> I well, can't believe it was that long ago. My gosh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Makes me feel old. Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> no, Bo, I mean, I didn't want to say it, but. Easy now, Bob. Mm -hmm. You're older than I am. That's why I shouldn't say it because I am older than you, but. <laughs> All right. Well, the top book this time around is The Russia House, still The Russia House uh, by John LaCarre. And the top movie, still Batman. And the top song, Baby Don't Forget My Number by Millie Vanilli. Yes. Ah, uh, Millie Vanilli. I love Millie Vanilli. <laughs> For about 10 minutes, they were, they were great. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's jump on into Uncle Buck. And this time around, uh, our movie came out on the 16th of August, 1989, rated PG. Um, although... And I did watch this with the kids and I kind of looked up some stuff ahead of time. I was like, well, I remember it being okay. Um, there was a, if, if you're somebody who watches, who wants to go watch these movies with kids, there were a couple scenes in the movie that are maybe a little bit of a stretch. If you've got younger kids, um, yeah, it, it was kind of amazing. We didn't watch this. We were in the Dells for the weekend and we were up there with my nieces who are seven and 11. Yeah. We talked about watching this cause I had to watch it again for the podcast and, and I figured two birds with one stone, but we eventually settled on a different John Candy movie because we were in the Dells and we were staying in a cabin. We felt the great outdoors was more appropriate. Nice. But Big even bear. that with its PG rating, we were, Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, the seven year olds passed out. It's the 11 year olds. So we're probably okay. Yeah. But <laughs> there's a few things you don't really think about them until they're kind of in your face. Right. We were a little surprised. Not mm -hmm. gonna lie. <laughs> well, and because I go on, you know, every time before we watch a movie, even if it's one that I know that I've seen before, but it's been a while, I'll still jump on to like Common Sense Media and I'll kind of check out their ratings and just see, you know, the language part, the sex part, the, you know, I, the drugs and alcohol part and uh, that kind of stuff. And I'll just try to, I'll try to check real quick and see. And, you know, for this one, I was like, okay, well, you know, the language is not great, but we've watched a bunch of other movies that have similar language. You know, we just recently rewatched ET um, just introduced the kids to Mrs. Doubtfire. So oh, nice, and, and nice, we, nice. we have that conversation every time we're like, okay guys, we're going to start this movie. Just be aware there's language in this movie that we don't use and you know, you're going to hear it. I know you know what it means. So just, you know, understand that as part of our family, this is not the way we speak and that's how we're going to move forward. Right. Um, 
you know, cause I saw this as a kid. I, I realized that the first time I saw this, I was the exact same age as my daughter. So I'm oh, like, wow. okay, well I saw this and I don't think, well, Bo, no comment here. I'm just gonna mute your microphone. I don't think I was messed up. <laughs> um, <laughs> By Uncle Buck, no, I would agree that. No, not my Uncle Buck. I mean, there were there were plenty of other ways. No, no, no. They they got to me with when my uncle showed me Porky's in 1982. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, So yeah, so I mean, I think the most awkward part uh, was, and I know we're kind of jumping into the discussion. I haven't even finished all the intro stuff, but um, I think the awkward part was where he's going into the house party. And you've got the, uh, the, the makeout room upstairs, right? I, that was, you know, we could get past the language. We could pass the other stuff, but I could just, I, I, I didn't fast forward through that part and I probably should have, but I could just tell everybody in the room. It's like when you go see a movie with your parents and then there's a scene mm-hmm. that you don't want to be sitting next to your mom while you're watching the scene <laughs> in a movie. And it kind of like the living room kind of felt like that. I was like, Hmm. Yeah, this got awkward. Probably should have fast forwarded. it. Yeah. That's oh well. That's <laughs> But yeah, so I mean, other than that, it same language as a lot of other 80s kind of PG movies. And, you know, I we always just have that conversation with the kids up front and just say, you know, I, you're probably hearing worse than this on the bus. So, uh, you know, just be aware it's it's going to be here. You're going to hear it. And we just don't repeat those things. All right. Well, moving on. Runtime was one hour and 40 minutes directed by John Hughes, who died in 2009. Uh, he also did Ferris Bueller, Planes, Trains, Automobiles and The Breakfast Club. Uh, producers on this one were John Hughes and Tom Jacobson. Uh, writer was also John Hughes, and he also wrote Ferris Bueller, Planes, Trains, Automobiles, and Breakfast Club. Cinematography was Ralph D. Bode, uh, who died in 2001. He did Dress to Kill and Don Juan DeMarco. Music was by Ira Newborn, who did Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, and Weird Science. Budget on this one was $15 million. Box office was $79.2 million. Nice. Rotten Tomatoes Critics gives it a 61%. Rotten Tomatoes Audience gives it a 76%. IMDb gives it a 70%. Letterboxd gives it a 68%. And CinemaScore gives it a B+. Starring John Candy, who died in 1994. He is Buck Russell. He was in Spaceballs, Planes, Trains, Automobiles, and The Great Outdoors. Uh, Jean Louisa Kelly played Tia Russell. She was in Mr. Holland's Opus and Yes, Dear. Gabby Hoffman played Maisie Russell. She was in Field of Dreams and Volcano. Macaulay Culkin played Miles Russell. He was in Home Alone and My Girl. Amy Madigan played Shanice Kobolowski. She was in Field of Dreams and Streets of Fire. So a bunch of of movies for her. Field of Dreams, Streets of Fire. Um, Elaine Bromka played Cindy Russell. She was in Law and Order. Garrett M. Brown played Bob Russell. He was in I Am Number Four and Roswell. Lori Metcalf played Marcy Dahlgren Frost. Uh, remember the hyphen there. She was in Roseanne <laughs> yes. and Lady Bird. Jay Underwood played Bug. Bug, like a gnat. Hmm. Similarities. The Boy Who Could Fly. Oddly enough, his name is Bug, and he was in The Boy Who Could Fly. <laughs> uh, Mike Starr played Pooter the Clown, which is just a great name. Uh, he was in Ed Wood and Goodfellas, and Suzanne Shepard played Mrs. Hogarth. She was in Lolita, Goodfellas, and Requiem for a Dream. Here is the trailer, and we will be back in Uno Momento. Where do you live? The city. Do you have a house? Apartment. On a rent? Rent. What do you do for a living? Lots of things. Where's your office? I don't have one. How come? I don't need one. Where's your wife? Don't have one. How come? It's a long story. Do you have kids? No, I don't. How come? It's an even longer story. Are you my dad's brother? I'm your dad's brother, all right. Buck Russell had always been the black sheep of the family. I'm stunned that I'm related to you. 
Oh. Until one night. Buck, we have a problem with the kids. We're stuck for somebody to watch them. Oh, please, not that. Can we trust him? My brother, for God's sake. I won't let him get into that Satan stuff or any of the new chicks. I'll leave that for me. Wow. <laughs> I'm kidding. Huh? Now, he's making them breakfast. Cigar? No, thanks. Making them lunch. And making them crazy. What did you do? He's irresistible. And I want to ask you why I'm so attracted to you. I, I wouldn't even guess at that. Whoa! Oh, oh, oh. He's unbelievable. I'm Anita Horgar. I'm Buck Melanoma. Molly Russell's wart. He's... Would you just... Let John Candy. Give me, give me, give me. As Uncle Buck. What does he like to drink? I've been leaving the toilet seats up. Is that what the blue water is? It's not good for him, huh? Uncle Buck. The new comedy from John wow. Hughes. You have much more hair on your nose than my dad. Well, nice of you to notice. I'm a kid, that's my job. Coming soon to a theater near you. All right, so, uh, seems like a dumb question. Is this the first time anybody's seen this movie? Absolutely not. No way, I've seen this a bunch of times, including the theater. Okay. All right. That's kind of what I figured. So, uh, so Jason, so you saw this in the theater. So, um, you were, and I know you, uh, the other episode you were on, you kind of commented, said you were about 16 years old, uh, at this point. Um, so is this one that you would have gone to see with your family or would you've gone by yourself to see it? I think I saw this with my friends first and then took my parents. Um, I finally got some wheels when I was 16 and started seeing every movie under the sun just cause nice. I, I could, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, we saw this multiple times in the theater, I think. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, Bo, and, Bo and I are the same age. We were in the same year in high school, same high school. And uh, that was kind of our, I, I, mean, I think that's just your thing. As soon as you get that car, then you just, I know Bo and I, we used to go see movies a lot. Um, oh, yeah. We had the movie theater here that was the $1.50. It was the second run $1.50 tickets. Oh, God, man. that was amazing. And oh, <laughs> man, we saw so many movies. I was, that summer was, I, that summer in particular, I think was when they brought out the um, Star Wars special editions. Uh, nice. And I was telling somebody the other day that you and I, we went to go see it. I think it was like an early morning show one time. We were bored. We didn't have anything else to do. And you and I went to go see Empire Strikes Back and there was no one else in the theater. Nope. So you and I sat in the back row and we turned it into our own Mystery Science Theater 3000. <laughs> it was amazing. It was, it was so much fun. I, I yeah, can't imagine you guys trashing Empire Strikes Back too much. I, it was a oh, loving, it was lovingly trashing it. There's a lot of, there's a lot, there's a lot in all those to mm -hmm. go after. It was, it was, it was lovingly done. It was lovingly mm -hmm. done. Um, but yeah, I, I, that's, I mean, as soon as you get that car, you just, yeah, I remember that. Like as soon as I got, I didn't have to ask anybody anymore. I want to go see this movie. No, I've got my car. I'm off. That's it. Oh, that's it. Yeah. So what was, so when you first saw this, uh, in the theater, what was kind of your, and you, you said you saw it multiple times. Like, what was it that drew you to this movie when you saw it the first time? And you're like, I got to go see this again. Well, so at this time I, I was familiar with John Hughes's work. Uh, I was a big fan of planes, trains, and automobiles. And so John Candy plus John Hughes plus funny plus family. It, it had all the right ingredients for me to, to be a classic. And, and when I got and watched it, it, it was, it's so good. Yeah. Yeah, I was trying to remember if we saw this in a theater or not. I don't remember if it was a theater movie. I know my dad was a big John Hughes fan too. Um, you know, he loved Ferris Bueller and um 
but he was also kind of a, a big John Candy fan too. So I don't remember if we saw this in the theater or not, but I know that it must have been as soon as this came out. I, I'm pretty certain we either had a copy of this on VHS or it was recorded off of TV or something like that. But, you know, as, as soon as we got a copy of this, it was watched regularly. Like I, I think it was several times a year we watched this movie at home. So, you know, it was a, it was regular viewing at my family. Yep. Yep. Bo, is this something that you watch pretty regularly when it came out or did you come to it? Yeah, a little we later? saw it a ton. I, I feel like there was that time period when you could find this movie and most of John Candy's movies on cable a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, his movies were what made Comedy Central what it was when it first started. I mean, you could, they would do John Candy marathons. This and um, Who's Harry Crumb mm-hmm. is another one. Um, and probably The Great Outdoors was probably part of that same run. Um, but I saw it a ton. And it's just so fun. Yeah. And the, yeah. the interaction with him and Bug and him and the, and, uh, the daughter, it's, it's just good stuff. The car, the car that backfires just mm-hmm. perfectly every time. I mean, you know, how do you not love that? I remember the the amateur dentist line. I've used that line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My favorite, the the thing that gets me the most is when he visits the principal's office. Yes. Yes. And you the have a rat. No, that thing. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Buck melanoma. Molly Russell's yeah. wart. <laughs> I had forgotten about all like I remembered the gnaw that thing off your face, but I'd forgotten that whole shtick in there with the with him just messing up the words and stuff. Oh god, I was dying. I'm not her ward, I'm her I'm her tumor. I'm her growth. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So good. That's yeah, funny. I I vividly remember as a kid that whole kind of back and forth of uh when Miles is interrogating him. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. And I, I, I pulled up the quote here. Where do you live? In the city. Do you have a house? Apartment. Owner rent? Rent. What do you do for a living? Lots of things. Where's your office? I don't have one. How come? I don't need one. Where's your wife? Don't have one. How come? It's a long story. You have kids? No, I don't. How come? It's even a longer story. Are longer you my dad's story. brother? What's your record of consecutive questions asked? 38. I'm your dad's brother, all right? <laughs> and, yeah. and both of my and kids, then, and no, then, both of my kids are just and, laughing at that whole scene. They just love that whole scene. Well, then he does it again with Shanice. He wants the ID and the whole. It was it was good uh, good character work there too. Yeah, yeah. And right there at the end, he goes, "You have much more hair in your nose than my dad." <laughs> <laughs> How nice of you to notice. I'm a kid. That's my job. Okay, that's yep. my job. Yeah. Well, that's the best part. Like the whole the whole interrogation isn't very kid like. Then he brings it back in the end. He's like. And you have too much hair in your nose. <laughs> yeah. Now, the thing that, which is funny, I think we've talked about this with a few of the other movies. The thing that watching this as a kid, I did not pick up on. And like I said, it's probably been 20 plus years since I've seen this movie. The thing I did not pick up on that really just as an adult now watching this for the first time in decades, the thing that drove me nuts is how Tia talks to her mother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, as a kid, I totally missed that. I was just like, Hmm. All right. They don't get along, but this time as an adult and as a parent, she starts talking to her mom that way. So, you know, the, the whole kind of sarcastic thing that this is a wonderful dinner, mother, how do you find the time? And there's all that stuff. And I'm just sitting there going, Oh man, if that was my child, yep. Ooh, <laughs> no, no, sorry. This is no, 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 no. That's not happening. And just kind of, and th- that whole attitude. And I think, you know, when I watched this as a kid, 
I was like, oh yeah, you know, she's she's like sticking it to the adults, and, it, and now I've com- completely gone the other direction. I'm like, you know what? She bothers me. Yeah, like that's not cool. You don't talk to an adult that way. You know, I don't care how you know jaded you are. You don't talk to an adult that way. So I, it was kind of funny. Like that was my takeaway from from part of my takeaway of watching the movie this time was I used to like her character. Like I remember as a kid, I remember as like a, you know, watching this as 12 year old thinking hmm, she's kind of cute. This time I was thinking, well, that's not cute. Right. That just gets me angry. <laughs> girl needs to be grounded. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Just I, all the stuff you guys brought up, the, you know, the whole thing with the backfiring car and just how that keeps coming up over and over and over again. Um, I, I love that scene where he talks to bug about his ax. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I've got it right here. You're not a gnat, are you, bud? Yeah. Yeah, we can talk about burying the hatchet. You know what a hatchet is, don't you, bud? (laughs) I like to keep it so sharp I can shave with it. (laughs) (laughs) You understand what I'm talking about. You know what? I don't think you do. I'll be right back. Here it is. Come on over. I want to show it to you. Maybe later. Okay. My wife and I like to quote the principal, that uh, Anita Hogarth. Yes. Where she says, uh, anytime my wife and I are are talking and there's a disagreement. Mm-hmm. One of us will say, I hear that all the time and I dismiss it. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's a good, awesome. I feel like I need to use that one at work more often. <laughs> I hear that all the time and I dismiss it. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. It's, it's a classic. The yeah. kid, the kids, um, the kids are good. Of course, Macaulay Culkin, this is what launched him into the stratosphere. Yeah. The little girl's cute as she can be. You know, and then John Candy is just so likable. Yeah. Now, now here's what might change this. I, I was looking up something earlier and have you guys, did you guys ever see or, or, or read this anywhere who their first choice was to play uncle buck? No. no. Okay. Yeah. So here we were, I think we were talking in our other episode a couple of weeks ago about, you know, we'd love to see like the alternate universe where we get to see all these other actors mm-hmm. that were up for the roles and never got it. Their original um, actor that they wanted for the role of uncle buck was Danny DeVito. Oh, wow. Wow. And as much as I like Danny DeVito and I like, you know, I, I, I enjoy his movies and, um, I just don't, it, this movie to me has a completely different feel. Like when I think of, when I think of Danny DeVito movies, I don't always think of Danny DeVito as having that Danny DeVito doesn't have that kind of Midwestern charm that I right. think John Candy right. has, even though John Candy's Canadian. Um, in yeah. so many of his movies, he has that kind of Midwestern, almost that, that stereotypical Chicago charm. Right. Sure. Like a big lovable guy from Chicago. And Danny DeVito just does not have that. So as soon as I saw that, I'm like, oh, wow, that's a completely different movie. Yeah. yeah if Danny DeVito was in it. It might still be funny, but I think you get a completely different vibe. I'm not sure that Danny DeVito... And I don't know. I I don't. I'm not sure Danny DeVito would be a good fit for what I think of as being a, a like a quintessential John Hughes movie. Right. Yeah, I'm out on that one. I think. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I found um, was that was kind of interesting. Was the whole scene where, and you were you mentioning this before, where um, Macaulay Culkin's character is kind of interrogating Shanice through the mail the mail slot. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently that's the scene that kind of inspired them to come up with the rest of the story for home alone. Oh, oh that's cool. awesome. Yeah. They kind of, they like took that and they, um, because let's see, John Hughes, he wrote home alone. He didn't direct it. Um, but he wrote it. I think he wrote it and produced it. And I guess that was the scene. They were like, oh, that's kind of funny. 
that makes me think of something else. And then I guess they just kind of ran with it from there. And they're like, well, and this kid would be the perfect kid to be in this movie. That's so cool. I can totally see that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That was a great movie too. Now, Bo, I don't know if you've ever done this. Uh, if you, if you've ever been to, you've probably walked by it if you've gone to a Cubs game, but um, I did also see that uh, the houses are still in their locations. Mm -hmm. um, that the Russell's house is still in Evanston, Illinois. And Buck's apartment is across from Wrigley Field on North Sheffield. Have you ever gone by, like specifically gone by and like, oh, there's his apartment from No, Uncle Buck. but I can, but having just seen the movie again, I can picture the angle and where it would be to see the sign through that window. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I was looking at that on here. I was like, oh, you know what? I, I feel like I might have walked by that before, but mm -hmm. didn't put two and two together. And I never would have known exactly what I found on here, the exact address of where it is. Um, I was like, oh, I, I would not have. So many of those different apartments look, you know, generic right. or, or kind of, I wouldn't recognize it just from walking by, but that's super fun. Yeah. And then obviously, you know, John Hughes likes to, likes to reuse a whole bunch of stuff from up here in the Northern suburbs of Chicago. And so, uh, I think this is uh new Trier West high school is, uh, in Winnetka, Illinois was used, um, as the school building. I think it was also used in Ferris Bueller and 16 candles. Wow. So yeah, the same, same building, you know, at the time, I don't think it was being used as a school. I think it was empty, right. um, but uh, it was one that he liked to reuse quite a bit in some of his other movies. You know, as somebody who's not from that area, I would love to go up there and take a John Hughes tour. They, you know what? I feel like they did that a couple of years ago. Um, they did a, it was like a three day thing that they did when it was the, th um, was the 30th. Oh, because I think, yeah, because I think it was, it was the 30th, it was the anniversary, of 30th Ferris anniversary of Ferris Bueller. Yeah. And they did this. Actually, it was in the in my hometown, the town that I live in right now, um, in the same building that I ordered my kilt in this morning. Um, the John and Nancy had, Hughes Theater. The John and Nancy Hughes Theater that they named after him. They had a three-day thing that you could sign up for. The, the, I didn't do it because the, the tickets, I think, were crazy expensive. They were. It was real expensive. Yeah, like hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Wow. To do this whole thing, but they it were going to do it, bad, they, but they did a tour. They did all sorts of stuff. They did a showing days. of the movie. They had some of the actors there. They did tours. They had a, I, I don't think they let you drive it, but they had the car. Mm -hmm. uh, they had the sport, the red sports car. Cool. Um, and I think they did. I think they took everybody on a bus up to Chicago and they did kind of a, a quick little tour around some of the different spots where the movie was filmed. I think they actually took people to Wrigley field so you could get a picture in the stands. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, all kinds of different stuff. But I mean, there's just so many, you can, you could just come up here and go around to some of the different neighborhoods just up in these suburbs and find so many different spots. I, I drive by every time we drive down one of the highways over here, I always drive by that motel that's in train, uh, planes, trains, and automobiles. Yep. That's cool. And pass by it every time. Like, nope, that's the planes, trains, automobiles motel. Wasn't the house <laughs> where the car, where the garage was from Ferris Bueller, didn't that just sell again recently? Oh, I, saw really? that. I saw that in the internet up for sale. Yeah, that's really cool. It was like $6 okay. million dollars or something. Yeah, yeah, it's no joke. Well, if you guys ever want to come take a tour of the uh, the filming of the movie Twister, just come on down here and I'll I'll show Done. you around. Cow. <laughs> cow. Another cow. Mm -hmm. No, no, that was the same cow. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I saw that one. I think I saw that one twice in the movie theater. There's one for your 90s. Uh, yeah. 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 That was uh, when my when my wife and I were dating in high school. That was probably one of the first movies we went to go see. It's not the first movie that we saw together, but oh, how cute! Our first movie was um, 
Yeah, very forgettable. It was uh, Steve Martin in Sergeant Bilko. Oh, yeah, you survived that one. Yeah, I survived that one. Now, see, and that's the and other thing she is she went back for another date. That's we did, right. kids. You know, <laughs> she she got past that, and and it was all fine. But you know, we have like her parents when they went to go when they went on their first date, they were a little bit older, um, but they went to go see two thousand one. Oh. And so I'm like, why could we not have had a movie that was like that, like a a classic, just you know, one of those masterpiece movies? And that's our first one we saw together. We had to go see Sergeant Bilko. <laughs> all right, well, that's all right. But yeah, I'd like to do that. I mean, I live up here, and I'd like to do that sometime and and go check out a lot of the different uh, um, John Hughes spots up around here. Um, we had uh, Kevin Smokler, the author, mm-hmm. um, had him on the podcast little while back, several episodes ago, and he was up here for a while. You know, he was kind of going around to some of the different libraries and he was at the Northbrook uh, library for some different talks like a couple years ago. And then he was here just a few months ago. Um, but I know when he was writing his book, the uh, Brat Pack America, mm-hmm. um, he was writing that like he was up around here. And I know he when I talked to him, he was you know, visiting all these locations and he just talked about how much fun it was to just go to these locations and see the schools and see the the houses and you know all this different stuff and yeah it's just yeah it's a great place to be if you want to go check out movie locations i'd love to do if it you, sometime i read that book too and then he's mm-hmm. it's really good if you like 80s movies you gotta check it out yeah no yeah, I, I love that book and bo didn't we talk about like way back in the 16 candles or the uh breakfast club episode that we did didn't we talk about didn't your wife uh, she has did she, been at did a, she date the guy she had, that was in the 16 candles she didn't house date him but she knew him and okay. she's been to the house she saw the house. That is cool. the one where the one where Farmer Ted gets stuck under the table. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that was nice. that was pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah, that would be really cool. All right. Well, I I think we've kind of talked about favorite scene. Do you have a let's let's do this? Do we have a favorite scene in the movie before we jump into our five questions? Do we have? Is there one scene in particular that you're like every time I think of Uncle Buck, I think of this scene? Oh, when he's cooking the pancakes. Yes. The huge. My- with the snow shells. Yes. <laughs> exactly. And you're like, my, my kids were asking, they're like, why don't you that? ever do that? They're like, what, dad, why don't you ever do that? We've got a shovel. I was like, well, <laughs> we also don't have an oven or a stove that big. Did you ask them if they would, if knowing what they know about where that shovel's been, mm-hmm. would they still eat the pancakes? <laughs> uh, the, the boy wouldn't care. Yeah, well, that's true. Nora might that's, care. That's I don't, a, think, I don't think John point. would care. That's a solid point. It would be nice to cook a meal then and get to be able to say, you should see the toast. I can't even get it through the door. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. My favorite scene is is still the uh, the principal scene. I, I, I talked about yeah. it briefly, but when he goes down there and she starts ripping his knees for being a silly heart and a twiddler and a jabber box, mm-hmm. and then he tears her down and then tells her to go down to the bus station and have a rat and all that thing off her face. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole time it's playing, you know, you got wild thing by tone Loke in the background yep. and it's, it's really cool. That's my favorite scene. Yeah. Right on. I like, I, I, I was trying to narrow it down to a particular scene and in case you've never noticed, John's not good at narrowing down. No, <laughs> no, he's really not. Um, Ooh, and now he's speaking in the third person. This ought to be good. Yeah. Um, I don't have a particular scene, but I, you know, my, my two things I'll kind of narrow it down to is the interactions between Buck and Tia mm-hmm. and anything that Miles says, Macaulay Culkin's character. Yes. Um, they did write him really well. Really well. Like it just when they're, when they've parked the car there and, you know, Tia's making out with Bug, he's like, that seems like a dumb thing to do during flu season. <laughs> 
He's got a lot of funny throwaway lines too. Yeah. She's sitting there minding her own business and he walks up to her and he goes, what are you doing? Waiting for your sex? Yep. Did <laughs> <laughs> you brush your teeth? Yeah. You can even feel my toothbrush. You know, I have a friend who works at the crime lab at the police station. <laughs> if that's true, we're going to really have to start brushing our teeth. <laughs> Yeah, yep. I think a, a lot of the kind of the interaction, the, the interactions between Buck and Tia and just especially because I feel like I've done that to my own kids sometimes when they get particularly sassy every once in a while. And it like that whole scene where he talks about, you know, he's going to pick her up from school and she's like, nope, I'll get a ride. He's like, nope, I, I got my orders. What time? And she's like, I said I'd get a ride. And he's like, OK, well, stand me up today. Tomorrow I'll drive to your school in my robe and pajamas and walk to your walk you to your first class. <laughs> Would four o'clock be OK? <laughs> I feel like there are several times if my kids have tried to kind of get a little sassy with me, I'll turn that back around. I'll be like, well, okay. So just so you know, um, I'm an adult and I really have no shame. So uh, if I need to embarrass you to get a point across, then I'm perfectly willing to do that. But yeah, it, it, Miles, just nearly every, any line Miles has in the whole movie, just he's, they just did a great job. Holy smokes. He's cooking our garbage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When he first sees him, he's like, who are you? Yeah. I'm your uncle Buck. I have an uncle. Just that. It's just funny. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, do we, before we move into our five questions, anybody have anything else you want to say about, uh, about uncle Buck other than great movie, other than great movie. If you haven't seen it, you, you really need to go see it. It's so good. Yeah. It's a, an American classic. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, like I said, my, my kids are, uh, eight and a half and you know, in, well, by the time this episode comes out, he'll be 12. Um, and I would say that, you know, we always have conversations about the language in the movies and all that. Um, I would also just say that with, with the one scene in particular, when Buck goes looking for Tia and, you know, kind of goes upstairs into the, the house party and there's, you know, a couple of teenagers making out uh, in the bedroom up there. Other than that scene, I don't think there's really too many other scenes that are kind of skip worthy. Um in this movie, that was really kind of the only one that was a little bit iffy. And, and, you know, if, if your kids are, you know, preteens, almost teenagers, then it's probably going to be fine. You know, obviously it's one of those that as a parent, you have conversations about or whatever you want to do, but, um, you know, that would have probably been, been the only scene that I was like, well, if I could have skipped this, maybe I would have, maybe right. I would have skipped this would have missed the funny part with the power tools, but right. You know, got yeah. some language, um, mm -hmm. definitely some bad attitudes, but, uh, yeah, that's the only scene that might want to fast forward past. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, it's time for five questions. He asks each traveler five questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. You've got to ask yourself one question. Why are you asking me for? I don't know. What you've just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. And may God have mercy on your soul. If you have not listened to us before, our five questions are kind of loosely based on what we are talking about uh, this episode. So our five questions this time around. Question number one, do you have any good stories involving a relative having to babysit you for a while? And I will, I'll start off because I know I've, I've got mine right away is my <laughs> parents, we were, um, my dad had just gotten a job. Uh, he actually was being transferred. He worked for Texas Instruments in Dallas and they purchased uh, a smaller company in England and they were needing to kind of transition that company into the larger, uh, TI. And so, uh, he was transferred over, he was going to be transferred over and we were going to be living in England for a few years. And so he and my mom went over themselves for about a week as kind of a combination vacation and house hunting, uh, kind of week. 
And so I, at the time I would have been about 10 years old. My sister would have been about seven and my little brother would have been about one or one and a half. And so there really wasn't anybody else that could kind of watch us for a full week. So my aunt who didn't have any kids at that point, and she was, she was still very young. She was probably in her, oh gosh, maybe her, maybe her twenties. I don't even know if she was in her thirties yet. Um, so she was still pretty young. And then my grandmother, the two of them came and stayed with us for a week. And that week, I remember we got away with so much stuff that our parents would never let us get away with. Um, because grandma, I mean, she was just, she just, just nicest person in the world, sweetest woman I have ever known. And, you know, she would not hurt a fly. I, I watched her one time as we, we were driving somewhere, we were a little bit older driving somewhere and she ran over a squirrel while she was driving and she had to pull over the car because she was sobbing so hard that she had run over, run over a squirrel. So uh -huh. that kind of person, <laughs> but, and I, and I don't say this in a mean way, but it, she was very much a pushover. Like, especially mm -hmm. if my little sister who she always called her princess, if my little sister said something, then, you know, grandma was going to believe that no matter what. And the other aunt, you know, she was probably in her twenties, maybe early thirties, had never had kids before. Really, I don't think had been around kids very much. So she was just kind of there as moral support because she didn't really know necessarily how to take care of kids, much less three kids from very different ages. And so I remember, I remember most of that week, just, I was 10 and I just did my normal thing. I went to school, did all that. Well, come to find out my sister had completely convinced them that she didn't have to go to school if she didn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> and at that point, Bo, this is, you know, my sister, so this is going to be hard for you to believe at that point. This was when my sister was a, just a very shy and quiet little person. Oh dear. I, right. I mean, you, you know, my sister, there's nothing shy or quiet about her now. Absolutely um, not. No, but, uh, but at the time, I, she, her conversation must have been something like, well, if I don't really want to go to school, mom doesn't make me. And I think that the reply was, oh, okay. That's all right. Impressive. Well, you can stay home today. And I'm I probably it came, up. Yeah. I know. And I probably came home. I was like, are you kidding? Is that all it takes? <laughs> like, I should have known that. But my other favorite story out of that whole week was, and I don't know, my grandmother had raised four children and a whole bunch of grandchildren. So I don't know how she didn't know not to do this, but. Uh, she had my little brother who again was about maybe a year old or so she had just given him a bottle and she was playing with him and kind of holding him up in the air and kind of shaking him around a little bit. And of course the contents of his bottle end up coming out <laughs> all over her face. Uh -huh. Nice. And I remember sitting there and watching that and it was almost kind of like, um, you remember that scene in Monty Python and the meaning of life at the very end when the one person throws up and then everybody starts throwing up. Yes. It almost started a chain reaction. Like oh when God. he, when he did that, the grandma, I saw it and I was like, Oh dear. <laughs> oh no. It's not good. So, so that was our, that was our exciting week of being babysat by other relatives. That's funny. Nice. Nice. Not I'm going to quite... up to your sister talking to grandma into letting her out of school for a week was, I know I, I was, I was super jealous about that. <laughs> I don't have a story anywhere near that good. My mom went out of town on a training trip for work. She left us with my uncle. My uncle's fine, but he was dating a woman at the time, now his wife. And they really liked to go shopping. <laughs> so my brother and I, who to this day hate shopping, we're forced to walk Gurney Mills twice. Ooh. Gurney Mills is a large mall up by us. It's I think it's two miles. Wow. 
to walk the thing. Yeah, if you walk the whole thing, it's about two. Yeah, it's a big, huge outlet mall. Yeah. Yeah. So we walked Goonie Malls twice in one day. Ugh. And then the next day they decided they were going to meet up at Woodfield. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah. So mm. it was a, a weekend that I would not soon repeat nor wish on anyone. Mm. It was it was not great. <laughs> That's like, you know, how when some people repeat those statistics of, you know, why a, a mattress is so important because you spend one third of your life sleeping or whatever like that. Yeah. I used to always kind of repeat that statistic, but I was like, you know why I don't like to go shopping sometimes? Because with my mom, I spent like one sixth of my life in TJ Maxx. Right. <laughs> and I don't ever want to go back into that store ever again. I've, I've done, I've paid my dues. I'm mm-hmm. out. Right. <laughs> Well, Jason, do you have an awkward, well, doesn't have to be awkward, but do you have a, a story involving a relative having to babysit you for a while? Or have yep. you been the relative that has babysitting? <laughs> the only thing I have to talk about on this is I was babysitting one time, put some kids to bed. This is in high school, and I we had early morning baseball practice. and So I was tired, so as soon as I put the kids down, I crash on the couch. And when the parents got home, the kids were running amok. I know one, the little boy was... Had gone in the bathroom and got moose in his hair and was, you know. Oh, nice. It was a, it was a full-on disaster when the parents woke me up. That was the last time I babysit for that family, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's outstanding. <laughs> that is awesome. I learned, I think my my wife and I were, she was babysitting and I kind of came over to help because it was like a combination of babysitting and dog walking that she was doing, I think, for one of her college professors. And so, so I came over to help one night when she was babysitting, because I think she had to babysit like two nights in a row. And so I came over to help out and she was having a little bit of a tough time with the kids. And I, I think I just had a copy and Bo, maybe you can back me up on this. If you remember this, I think I must've had so many copies of the star Wars movies on VHS that I just kept a copy in my car. This wouldn't surprise me at all. Okay. (laughs) I don't recall the situation, but I got to be honest, if you told me you drove around with one, it would not surprise me one bit. Okay. All right. I I think through most of high school, I probably had a copy of a Jimmy Buffett cassette and a copy of Star Wars on VHS in my car, but just, you know, for emergencies. Bringing a party. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I remember she was having a little bit of trouble with the kids and the kids were probably, I don't know, they were maybe like six or seven or eight years old, something like that. They were, you know, they weren't. They weren't older kids, but they also weren't babies. And she's had a little bit of trouble with them and, and couldn't get them to like settle down. So I think I ran back out to the car. I got my copy of, uh, must've been Return of the Jedi and came back in and I popped it in and turned the TV on. And immediately those kids just, they sat down and I sat there and it was like, I, I kind of envisioned my future. I had two kids sitting on either side of me and I'm sitting there explaining the entire movie to them. Now, this guy, his name is Jabba the Hutt. He's this evil crime lord. And the reason you don't understand what he's saying is because he's speaking a language called Hatties. And the kids would just like, they listened to me the entire time like I was some tour guide <laughs> on, on some magical tour adventure that they were going on. And and Sharon was just like, all right, I'm just, anytime I babysit from now on, I'm just bringing you with me. Because... Yeah. Apparently, Star Wars works. I said, of course, Star Wars works. Absolutely, it does. Mm-hmm. Use the force, young man. That's, right. That's right. All right. Uh, question number two. Did you have a crazy uncle? Bo, you had a shopping uncle. I had a shopping uncle. You, you, you count that as crazy? Or? No, my uncles were all very, very different people, but none of them were crazy. Okay. Um, I've got one who lives in the mountains of Colorado. I have one who... Well, that has potential, I guess. Yeah, 
all very different people, but no crazy ones. Okay. No, no uncle bucks in our family. Okay. All right. <laughs> Jason, you have any uncle bucks in your family? I didn't have, I didn't have a crazy uncle. I did have a fun uncle though. So okay. I had the of, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, the type of uncle that took me to the mall on birthday and said, all right, uh, just whatever Atari cartridge you want, nice. just go get it. There we go. That was big time. He did draw the line one time. I asked him to record, uh, he had HBO and we didn't. I said, "Hey, would you record that Madonna concert?" <laughs> when he watched it, he he said, "I don't think your mom wants you watching this." So <laughs> his his judgment got the best of him that night. Unfortunately, <laughs> happens to the best of them. <laughs> well, that was my my uncle. I have referenced several times on this podcast as being the reason why I watched so many movies at a young age that I never should have seen. Uh, my my uncle was the other way around. My uncle was, if there was something on HBO that he thought was cool, he was going to share that with me, whether or not my parents thought it was appropriate or not. So <laughs> he, I think he was babysitting one time and I, I don't know how I remember this, but I have memories of being a, a fairly young child and watching the movie Porky's with him. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and like how, why, I don't understand how he lived after my mom found out that he showed me that movie when I was that young. Um, he's also the one that we, we had a time where all of the, uh, my grandparents used to live in a, a town in Northern Texas called Athens. And, um, they like the whole family got together and I don't remember if we were having a family reunion or what it was, but the whole family was there. All the aunts and uncles, all the cousins were there. And so you had a room of probably, it was probably somewhere between eight to 12 kids, all ranging in age from, I was probably 14 maybe 14 at the time, um, all the way down to, you know, the youngest ones were probably four, maybe four, three or four. And all the other adults left. And my uncle decided, my uncle was left there to kind of be in charge of all the kids. And he decided that he was going to go pick up a couple so of movies. I, I would just like to point out that after mm -hmm. all of his history, they still yeah. left him in charge of the children. <laughs> well, right. and, and so, if, yeah. I, if I go too far up to the present time, you know, his whole story and, and his trustworthiness get a whole lot worse. But yeah, oh. it <laughs> was, you know. We, we'll get to that in a second, but, um, so he decided, he's like, I'm going to go rent a couple of movies that I think the kids would think are really fun. So he goes to the video store, he comes back and remember, we've got kids from about the ages of three to about 14 and the movies he thought would be fun for kids were Predator and Terminator 2. <laughs> so I remember watching sure, Predator yeah. and Terminator 2 and I loved it. I mean, I'm a 14 year old kid. I'm like, oh man, these movies are great. And of course we got the other kids are either just completely petrified or crying or whatever. And my sister is still like, I, I'm not ever watching predator ever again. I remember watching that as a, you know, 11 year old and people were skinned. I'm not, no, I'm never watching that. So I don't know, just something about his judgment was, was very, very flawed. And the quick version of, you know, that kind of gets us up to today is, uh, over the course of time, he kind of got involved in these kind of very shady companies. And if anybody ever asked me like, what does your uncle do? Or, or we'd ask, you know, within the family, like, what does our uncle do? And at different times he was selling ties or he was selling mail order chocolate chip cookies, or he was sell selling, um, just crates and crates of gold bond medicated cream or all kinds of other stuff. And then all of a sudden one day he's working for a company that does, um, online tech support. Mm. And we're like, how is it? But it's all the same company. We're like, how could this possibly be the same company that sells cookies and tech support and, and ties and diversification? Gold yeah, apparently. <laughs> so I went one time to look, I was like, I, 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 I got to look and see if this company still exists. 
and it does not still exist. And, and it's a very shady company. But if you go Google search this, and I, I got to see if I still have the photo somewhere, um, there is a picture of my uncle and his son when his son was oh, maybe six or seven. And they look like they're standing in the back room of this like dilapidated restaurant or warehouse or something. And a very either sleepy or drunk Mel Gibson is standing right next to them. Oh, dear. <laughs> I mean, it looks like with, with, with the way the Gibbs, whole picture is Gibson, set up. It could have been either. It could have been. But yeah. the way the whole picture is set up is Mel Gibson looks like he does not want to be there. And the, <laughs> the setting that they're in just makes it look like that there's this guy and his young son that have kidnapped Mel Gibson <laughs> and are keeping him in the back of this warehouse. Yeah. So, and, nice. and eventually, eventually the story gets worse and now we don't know where he is and he stole a bunch of money from the family, but oh. you know, that was, uh, that that's where the story takes kind of an extreme turn in the last few years. Oh, dang. But, uh, yeah, so that was kind of my, maybe I'll say it's a shady uncle and not quite a, a crazy uncle. He was the fun uncle when I was a kid, but then sure. things, things started to kind of take a turn there. All right. Number three, what's your favorite John Candy role? Barf. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Always when I'm eating. Half man, half dog. I'm my own best friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for me, it's Uncle Buck. It's okay. absolutely Uncle Buck. Nice. I like uh, Del Griffith from uh, yes. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles a lot. Sure. He's a little more annoying, sort of less smart, I think. But uh, yeah, Uncle Buck is the he's the top of the list for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, and, and Uncle Buck is a very close, um, maybe tied for second uh, with me, but um, uh, Planes, Trains, Automobiles, for some reason, was a movie that until we did it for the podcast, I had not seen. It was one of those that just I had not. I don't know why. I wow. feel like with my family yeah. and the type Blew of movies away. we watched. And I have no idea why I didn't see that up until maybe it's one that I assumed I had watched. And so then I just never bothered to, you know, try to go check it out again. But, um, up until we did it for the podcast, I had never seen that movie and that may be Del Griffith, may be my favorite John Candy role. Um, I just, I really like him in that movie. Um, you know, but uh, uncle buck too, it's like, it's right up there. Barf was my other one. So between those three, you know, <laughs> those are, those have got to be my three favorites. I, I thought he was good as Tom Hanks's brother in splash too. That one kind of gets over. Mm -hmm. there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and we were one of our other teachers here at the uh, school that I work at had pulled up something the other day because he said that he said, well, you know, at Halloween time, and I forget what the character's names were, but it was John Candy and Eugene Levy as these two like Eastern European brothers on SCTV. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. I'm completely blanking out on what their names were. Um, but he was saying, you know, it, uh, Pat, one of the other guys that's been on the uh, host of the show before, um, he said, well, you know, Pat, you could you know, you kind of got the same eyebrows as the U Eugene Levy character. So if you and John want to do this costume for Halloween, nobody's going to know who you are. Um, but, you know, you guys could totally do it. And the three people here in this building that know who you are would think it's hilarious. So nice. I don't think we're going to do it, but that was another kind of fun character from him. And some, and some <laughs> of his old stuff from, from SCTV. And, and I do like his character from uh, Blues Brothers. Yeah, that's fun. But just kind of one of those, one of those like smaller bit parts. Yep. Vacation. The security garden vacation. Yep. Yep. All right. Number four, if you had a get rich quick scheme, what would it be? And I'm just going to start by saying, I don't have one because <laughs> I, I tried to think about it and I was like, well, I feel like a lot of get rich quick schemes like that. I'm, I'm going to be the, I'm going to be the goody two shoes and say that a lot of those schemes hurt other people. And I'm like, well, I don't want to do like, I wouldn't mind getting rich real quick, but you know, I don't want like other people to, 
you know, suffer at my expense if I, if I'm the one getting rich. So, um, so I don't have one, but I will say that I, I heard this on another podcast like several months ago. Um, and the guy's name was it Victor, Victor Lustig, I think was his name. And it was, um, uh, early part of the 20th century. He had noticed that, um, the Eiffel tower was in different levels of disrepair in, in downtown Paris. And so he actually put out these ads that he was part of a company that was in charge of dismantling the Eiffel tower and selling it for scrap metal. So he put out these ads and he was able to get companies to bid on whether they would be able to be the ones that could take it for the scrap metal. And he was able to get just a ton of money. And then he, I think he ran off to Switzerland or somewhere else. <laughs> Nicely done. So I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to take that as one of my like favorite stories of somebody's get rich quick scheme. Like I wouldn't do it myself. Um, the other one that I love just because of the guy's name and I, Bo, I think you and I were talking earlier and I, I referenced this guy's name. Uh, there was a Scottish guy, uh, whose name was Gregor McGregor <laughs> and Gregor McGregor, uh, had, I think he had been living in South America. Uh, he was, I think a former soldier and he had been fighting with you know, some different revolutions in South America. And he decided that he was going to go back to Europe. And if I'm getting the story right, he's going to go back to Europe and he completely convinced a whole bunch of people to come colonize this island that he made up. And so he got a whole bunch of money from people saying, oh yeah, it's this island, it's this beautiful island. He'd written up like a, a travel brochure that detailed like what kind of land was there and how beautiful it was, the indigenous animals that live there and, and completely sold a whole bunch of people on, on moving to this island and then just took their money and ran away. Nice. So, so again, I don't, I wouldn't do any of those get rich quick schemes, but those were kind of my two favorite stories I've, I've heard of in the past. Yeah. I think, uh, the Eiffel tower guy barely edges your sister out as the coolest cat we've heard, uh, pulling yes. off a, uh, a major you pull off one of those deals. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I don't have a get rich scheme or if I did, I'd be using it. So exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I've always wanted to be the guy you know, you always think about the guy who created the widget that everyone uses and he's got to be a millionaire. Now I want to be that guy. Mm -hmm. I want to come up with the one piece of junk plastic that some, for some reason, everyone in the world needs. Yep. The post. Yeah. Uh-huh. Exactly. The, yep. That's not me. Unfortunately, I wish it was. <laughs> no, I haven't, haven't figured it out yet either, but I'm working on it. Darn. Still grinding. <laughs> well, as soon as I build my time machine, I'm taking back my sports almanac and that's that. There so go. there, there's my plan. I will take back my sports almanac. I will, you know, try not to become the next Biff and uh, we'll do it that way. Sounds like a plan. All right. Number five, what is your most epic battle with a home appliance? <laughs> I had a refrigerator that went out over Memorial Day weekend one time. Oh, I was gone for four days and came back to uh, disgustingness. Oh, that's no good. Yep. Bo, what about you? Have you done any uh, I, I, I knock down, drag out fights with an appliance? <laughs> I pretty regularly fight with the wash sink in our basement. It has to do with the way it's put together. There are leaking issues once in a while. Okay. And then our, our oven has, we have replaced the thermostat on the oven more than twice in nine years because it will not read the right temperature. It just won't. It lasts for like six months and then it stops working and then you run it for a few years and you don't care. Okay. And then you get sick of it and you replace it. And then it works for six months and then it dies again. And, you know, at some point you just give up, but for a while you don't. And, you know. 
it's actually about time to replace it again and you know yeah go through the whole process i should probably just replace the oven but it's an oven it works like what you know that's probably my ongoing battle okay all right and yours yeah i don't think i've I, i wouldn't necessarily call it an epic battle but it was a time where i uh my son was a baby I think it was him. It was either him or my daughter. I think it was my son. Um, he was a baby. So, you know, just maybe a few months old. And uh, my wife was going somewhere, I think either with her mom or somebody else. And so she was going to be out of the house. And it was probably going to be the first time that it was ever just me in the house with the baby. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and I'm not, you know, I, I have a few teacher friends here who are guys and, and they're just like, no, I'm, I'm not very good at taking care of a baby by myself. And I, I am perfectly comfortable taking care of a child. I, you know, my wife was an only child. I had two younger siblings. I've been around babies a lot. I am just as comfortable sometimes, maybe even more so, uh, taking care of a baby, you know, than my wife is. And so I have no problems at all. And, you know, people would always say things like that. Oh, you're going to, is he okay being left at home with the baby? And my wife was like, you're being ridiculous. Like he's totally fine. He's the father of the baby. He knows how to take care of it. Um, and so we'd always get upset when people would say things like that. Like, yeah, what do you think? I'm going to burn the house down or something. <laughs> so the first time she leaves me alone with the baby, uh, I, I, I think, I don't think there was too much in the refrigerator, but I think we had some like, uh, some leftover tortilla chips. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to make myself, um, I'm going to make myself some nachos. Like I'm going to put together some nachos. I'm just going to throw in the microwave real fast and get it done. Cause who knows the baby may wake up any second now and, and I'm just going to get this done real fast. So I think I grabbed together some ground beef and some, uh, some cheese and, and the, the tortilla chips and shoved them in the microwave. Well, what I had not realized was at that point, I think we had either been working on some of our cabinets or we just didn't have enough room. So every once in a while, every once in a while, my wife would keep either like a bag of, uh, cookies or a loaf of bread or something like that in the microwave. And so I wasn't really paying attention, didn't really look in the microwave when I slid this plate of, you know, un- <laughs> uncooked nachos in there and come to find out she had a bag of Milano cookies um, in the back of the microwave and they were being held shut with, and of course they kind of have a little bit of foil on the inside of those cookie mm-hmm. bags. Um, but she had also had it, it was being held shut with a paperclip. Uh-huh. So I'm heating up, you know, my nachos and I'm not really paying attention to much of anything. I think I go in the other room and I'm either there was a baseball game on or I was watching something and uh, all of a sudden I start to smell something and I go back into the kitchen and the microwave is just engulfed in flames. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, good grief. So, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not a big deal. I end up putting it out. I, it, it, you know, the microwave's unusable at that point. So we had to get a new one. But uh, then my wife gets home and, and she's like, where's the microwave? I'm like, okay, first of all, I didn't burn the house down. So that's a positive. <laughs> if that's what you're leading with, you're already in trouble. Right. Well, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to start with the extreme and just kind of like, you know, calm things down from there. So the baby's um, fine. The baby's fine. Like the baby right. is fine. I didn't cook the baby. So the baby's fine. <laughs> uh, the house is still standing. Um, and I'm still one of those dads that can take care of a child, not burn the house down. I only burned the microwave down. So, right. and, and, and in my defense, I didn't know that bag of cookies was in there. So. Nice. So that's my my I, epic I, microwave battle. I have to ask, is the bag of cookies in the microwave as a way of hiding the cookies? No, it was it was just a storage method. I, I think we just had a whole bunch of other stuff in the cabinets and we just didn't have any other room to stuff anything else in there. I think we just had a whole bunch of you know like bags of rice and crackers and and you know, chips and cereal and all kinds of other stuff. And I think we just didn't necessarily have anywhere else to put it. And so sometimes we used to put like our loaves of bread 
because uh, sometimes we'd go out, we'd go through a lot of bread. So we'd, you know, maybe buy like several loaves of bread from Costco or somewhere like that. And we'd, if we didn't have room anywhere else, we'd just kind of shove the leftovers in the microwave and we stopped doing it after that. So yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was the last time any cookies were ever left in the microwave. I'm sure. And I think the last time I ever made nachos in the microwave, mm. I'm purely an oven person now. So <laughs> That thing that is, is supposed to have the oven anyway. You're only, you're only licensed for the oven. That's right, for sure. Right, right, right. I have a restraining order against microwaves. <laughs> I just call to say I love you. Ed Rooney's office. Ferris Bueller's online too. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. What am I doing? I'm talking to an empty telephone. I don't understand. Because there was a dead man on the other end of this phone. Maybe. I guess you should have called. I did call earlier when using the phone. Earlier when was that? Or later when then I uh, le left a message. A message? What number did you call? Two, four, niner, five, six, seven, eight. I can't hear you. You're trailing off. And did I catch a niner in there? Were you calling from a walkie-talkie? No, it was cordless. Mm -hmm. You know what? Don't. Not here. Not now. Okay. Bye-bye. Shoot, she knew it was me. Hey, guys. Pat here. Just a couple thoughts about Uncle Buck. Uh, yeah, great film. It was, uh, we saw this as a family. I don't know if we went out to the theater and saw it, but I know we saw it pretty close to when it came out. Um, and it was one that the whole family enjoyed. Loved watching it. Um, I asked my folks about it. Hey, do you guys remember Uncle Buck? Oh, yeah, that was a great movie. we got to watch that again. Uh, John Candy was just great in it. Um, I know that we've talked in and about the John Hughes films, and, and I mean, I've seen some of them growing up, but not a ton of them. This was one of the John Hughes films that I remember seeing, and it's, it's interesting now watching it as an adult after I've been talking about movies with all you guys and kind of getting into the John Hughes thing about how the adults seem out of touch and the kids are have to solve the problems and so forth. And what I thought was cool about this movie is, yeah, the parents were out of touch with their kids, but you had, you know, the hero in the form of John Candy's Uncle Buck that, uh, yeah, he, he was a little crazy and there were a lot of funny things that he'd get involved in, but he was the one that could, um, he was the one that could, uh, uh, reach the kids. And even watching this as a kid, um, I remember being struck by the fact that, you know, he didn't, he didn't take any, he didn't take any flack from the daughter. Uh, he could give it right back, but he was always trying to figure her out. And even in that end sequence, you know, when he called his girlfriend for help and said, look, you know, so-and-so ran away and, you know, she had done some pretty bad things. I mean, it lied about, you know, him drinking to her parents, had lied about him having an affair with, you know, the lady across the street. And he still, you know, had the compassion to say, yeah, she's just angry and confused. Um, but kind of like let her come to that conclusion herself and realize that she was in the wrong. So I don't know. It, in, in watching this movie, I, I still think it holds up pretty uh, well for kind of how to deal with kids and, and you know, parenting and so forth. Uh, Uncle Buck is great. And John Candy is just, I mean, the incomparable John Candy. And all those comedic moments from knocking on the wrong door across the street or, you know, some of the more physical comedy where he gets hit in the head with the door to, you know, putting the assistant principal in her place, in her place, just one scene after another of, of greatness. So, I mean, really enjoyed the movie. Um, as far as, you know, uh, you know, the five questions, 
I would say, uh, um, you know, no crazy babysitting stories. However, like my brother, sister, and I kind of went through babysitters growing up. Like there were a lot of people who would come watch us and then not do it ever again. Uh, even the grandparents one time, things things got a little heated with the grandparents. And there's a funny story about my folks coming home and and uh, my grandparents meeting them at the door saying, yeah, you know, maybe you want to look into some other babysitters next time. And, yeah, there, there, there's some stories about the Canigallo kids kind of running roughshod on, on babysitters. Um, no crazy uncle that, you know, would do antics like that. You know, fun uncles and exciting, you know, people to be around, but nothing quite crazy like that. Um, the, uh, um, favorite John Candy role, boy, that one's hard because there's so many. I'm going to try and squeeze two in here. I'd say favorite, favorite movie that he plays in would be Spaceballs. However, his favorite role would have to be The Great Outdoors. Um, I, I love seeing him in that. Number four, I got no get rich, uh, quick schemes. Um, and home appliances, boy, I don't know. I, it's hard to narrow, it's hard to narrow that, uh, that thing down. But um, I uh, yeah I'd have to I'd have to think of some some home appliance stories that are worth it. There there was a story that you know there there was a story of of my dad and I trying to uh, cut into the sewer line to get a uh, to get a um, uh, like a sewer ejection pump some pump tied into the sewer line and all that all within code of course it wasn't anything illegal but you know cutting into the sewer line and the smell and things coming out of it and so forth. You know that that got to be that got to be exciting. So, anyways, sorry again I missed the conversation. Can't wait to hear the can't wait to hear the uh, show. You guys have a good one. Bye now. Very very quickly, uh, go check out our website thirtypodcast.com at thirtypodcast on Twitter, and we are typically thirty podcast on all the other social media spots, the Instagram, the all that other stuff. Um, voicemail line if you want to call in and tell tell us how much you loved Uncle Buck. Or if you have another opinion, um, you know, we, we've heard opinions like that before and we dismiss them. Um, <laughs> but uh, you can totally tell us whatever you want to tell us. But the voicemail line is 872-356-6843. Our next episodes, if you want to get a little bit ahead of the game before we start talking about these uh, later on this month in July, we are going to be doing Born on the Fourth of July, Look Who's Talking, Parenthood, The Fabulous Baker Boys. Uh, then we may try to do at the end of the month of July a summer blockbuster roundup. Uh, also in July um, this month, I may do, because I just found this out the other day, that the original run, now, I, I've, I think I've said this before on the show, I'm a big fan of musicals. Like When we lived in London, we went to a bunch of musicals. We went to Les Mis, Phantom of the Opera, Starlight Express, like all those different kind of really big name uh, musicals, uh, Miss Saigon, a whole bunch of the others, Cats. Um, and I found out that the... Is it the second longest running show in London? It ran from, was it like the early 1980s up until this year was Les Miserables. Mm -hmm. Like Les Mis is coming to an end after being there for like something like, was it 13,000? I looked this up the other day. It's like 13,000 consecutive shows. Wow. Wow. Um, in London's West End. And it's coming to an end in July of 2019 after being there for multiple decades. Um, so if I decide to nerd out with a, a musical episode, then I may talk a little bit about Les Mis and how much I love that. So that may get thrown in as like a, a bonus episode somewhere in July if, if I have time to do that. But um, movie fans out there may not be quite as interested, but that's fine. You can skip that one if you want to. Uh, then in August, we're doing Steel Magnolias, Ghostbusters 2, 
weekend at Bernie's and always. And the one thing I will say about Steel Magnolias, because it'll be a while before we get to that, is had I known, and I, I think I'm thinking of the right movie, had I known that you could get a, a groom's cake that looked like an armadillo <laughs> I, with, with, the, with the red uh, cake on the inside, I totally would have done that at my wedding. <laughs> totally would have done that. He's not kidding. No, I'm not kidding. <laughs> we, Bo, you can attest, we walked into Star Wars at our reception. Yes, you did. Yes, we did. So it was one of the few things I think she let you get away with. She did. Yeah. I had to pick one that wasn't like completely recognizable Star Wars. It just had to be like triumphant orchestral music. And I, I think <laughs> it worked, worked out fine. It worked out fine. It was the throne room music from the end of the movie. Exactly. So. It was fine. Yeah. I wanted to go Imperial March, but she didn't think that was appropriate. <laughs> so. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us this time around. And so I, in particular, thank you, Jason, for joining us. You've been here for a, a couple episodes. And I know we, we talked for quite a while of, you know, getting you on here and getting you to uh, kind of guest host for some movies that you enjoy. So thanks for jumping on with us. Yeah, for these thanks last for few coming episodes. on, man. This man, is great. Thank you. I, I had a great time. I really appreciate it. Um, you guys are awesome. I, I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I had a great time. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah. And, and thank you, Bo. You're not chopped liver, Bo. But, uh, oh, thank you, John. You know um or love fest i gotta remember to get that in there uh the other guys won't let me live it down if i don't call you keep keep calling it's you love true fest. no i think jeff is is more heavily invested in that nickname than the rest mm -hmm, of us are mm -hmm. so you know i <laughs> we're doing it for jeff exactly. um jeff and johnny we'll do it for whoever wants wants it do it for um doing it for johnny <laughs> doing it for jeffy i don't think he'd want me calling him that but hi jeffy um all right, so that's it for this episode. So be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies, and we will see you back here next time for Born on the Fourth of July. Bye.